Hi, Carrie Jo. Hi, Anna. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks mm. for having me on today. Yeah, we are going to, well, first I'll introduce us, right? Uh, my name is Anna, and I am, uh, how do we describe ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a hard task. <laughs> it is. Uh, well, first of all, we're here to talk about our spiritual walk together and what we've been through. Carrie Joe and I met at, uh, what was it? Um, Revelation Wellness. Yes. Eight years ago. Yeah. And we've stayed in touch semi off and on, mostly social media. And, um, we're reconnecting because we are on, have had a similar journey spiritually and we decided we wanted to share that with the world. So for us, sharing is, I feel like at least I'll speak for myself. I think sharing on this podcast, my journey, um, from, through deconstruction and reconstruction is really important to healing and building my courage. Um, and yeah. today I'm really especially curious to hear about Carrie Jo's journey and why she wants to share as well. So yeah, I certainly, I resonate with what you said, um, sharing the process, my journey to this point, is not only going to be healing for myself, but as I've been more bold recently in sharing on social media, I've had so many people thank me for putting into words things they've been feeling. Mm. So I know that it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's important for me. I feel I was telling somebody the other day, I feel like my my purpose and mission kind of now is to pull bodies from the rubble of a belief system that doesn't work anymore and mm -hmm. to offer light and encouragement to anybody else who's going through something similar because i felt like i didn't really have that in my deconstruction journey so i would have loved to have had somebody kind of shining the way or giving some hope in the process wow that's awesome <clears throat> i feel like uh when i saw you post something one day on instagram i immediately resonated with it and that's when I reached out to you and I was like what the heck is going on <laughs> yes and yeah it took a lot of courage to do that because I mean you know how nasty and toxic social media can be right so I was like okay I'm doing it shit's gonna go down and mm -hmm. so was that your I first posted, post yes the one with the concentric circles of, of various colors okay Yes. So I'll, for the listeners, I'll describe it. So at, on the top, there's two circles, one's yellow and one's bright pink, and there's nothing in between them. And it says what people see, like in my journey. And then below it is a bunch of circles that kind of connected overlap. And it's like a variation of gradation from yellow to the bright pink. And so there's lots of colors in between. And then that says what the process actually looked like. Mm. because during the process of deconstruction for me, I was very private about it because honestly, I didn't have words for what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very isolated, personal, internal thing for me, which is the opposite of the way that I process things. So it was very foreign for a lot of reasons. Um, but yeah, I decided to just go public with it because I finally found some words, found my voice in the matter. And 
I'm glad I did. I'm glad I vocalized it because I think that's going to help other people find their voice and be able to hopefully offer a torch to those behind them in their spheres of influence. Right. Wow. That's wonderful. So I guess I want to, I want to take a step backwards and if you could give me a short summary of your upbringing and your, your journey with Christianity. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I was I was raised in a very, very loving and supportive home. We regularly attended a Presbyterian church. It didn't mean anything to me. I just went because that's what we did. Um, so I would never have called myself a practicing Presbyterian. But, you know, I was raised in that environment of church being important and whatnot. And then went to college within the first month of being there, had a transformational experience um, and declared that Jesus was going to be the way moving forward. And, um, from that day on, I was like hardcore discipled. Um, I mean, it's honestly, when I look back, it's incredible. The, the depth, the, um, uh, I don't know, like, Discipled big time. It was almost like a boot camp. I mean, it wasn't that, but that's what it it feels like looking back on it. It was very intense. It was very intentional and done by people whom I still love to this day. Um, And they only wanted the best for me and were, you know, arming me with what I needed to operate in a in a world as a Christian. Mm Um, so I was indoctrinated. I mean, that's the very definition of indoctrination, right? So um big time indoctrinated with a heavily calvinist viewpoint um i mean the listeners can look that up i'm not going to go into the five points of calvinism but um yeah so a lot of doctrines and theologies that uh, were more theoretical and not necessarily supported by biblical text but, but i was given a very strong handle for systematic theology which is in a nutshell, um, you know, if you have this question, here's the verse that disproves it. Or if you have this question, here's the verse that proves it to be true. Um, it's kind of like an if this, then that system of beliefs. And so that's how I operated for over two decades. Um, in the middle there, <laughs> I was a missionary for seven years in Nigeria with my husband and my three kids. Um, I was all in, like all in, sold out. Yeah, uh, that's kind of how I am. I, when I commit, I'm all in. Um, so yeah, now, I mean, this is very much a nutshell bird's eye view of, of my story, but now I find myself in a very different place, um, of belief, of undecidedness, of embracing mystery. And I feel like I'm a bird that has flown its cage. I feel so free. I, um, and fighting for that freedom on a daily basis as all those old doctrines come back to bite me in the ass. <laughs> I start thinking in those old ways again. Um, but you know, it's, it's part of it. It's part of releasing those frequencies that don't resonate with me anymore. Mm-hmm. And so as they come up, I'm just trying to honor that they're still there and recognize that they don't serve me anymore. So. That's in a nutshell, I guess, my journey to this point. It's beautiful that 
your evolution has, um, I mean, I know when you summarize it like that, it actually sounds really simple. <laughs> yeah, of course it does. <laughs> but I know that there's way more like turmoil and struggle that went into asking the hard questions that led you where, to where you are now. And um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that process. Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as I look back, it's easier to see things, I think, when you're kind of on the other side of it. And on the other side, I don't mean on the other side of deconstruction. I feel like I'll be deconstructing my whole life. But um, I guess on the other side of the, the major hurdles, uh, when I look back, I can see that I've always questioned. I've always had questions about different things, different beliefs about God or if God is love, why does stuff like this happen? And I was always given trite answers or dismissive answers when I would ask those questions. And I mean, that basically communicated to me either A, it's not okay to ask those questions in this type of space, or B, I am lacking faith because I can't just say, well, that's just God and we can't understand him. Mm -hmm. um, and so over the years, um, I just learned to kind of not explore those questions because they either weren't being answered or it meant that I lacked faith and nobody wants to be told that when I felt like I was trying my hardest, you know, to have the deepest faith I could. Um, so, yeah, I think if we want to get real pinpointed, one of the major questions that nobody could ever answer was, um, my issue with petitionary prayer and specifically there's an event that happened in my life i was probably a believer for about five years at this point um and one of my best friends from college was diagnosed with a brain tumor that was deadly i mean they're always deadly in these cases and and I just claimed with as much faith as I could muster in my prayers that she was going to be healed. And I believed God for it. And I wanted that so badly. And it didn't happen. She died. I mean, these tumors take lives every single time. And so, like, looking back, I'm thinking, geez, you idiot. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. But, um, you know, that was that was the context that I was kind of taught within prayer. Like, if you believe it and have enough faith, they're going to be healed. Right. And that's so damaging, so mm. damaging to a belief system and to an understanding of a God who somehow saw fit to kill off this young woman who had just gotten married mm -hmm. like less than six months prior to this. Mm. And it just it just didn't add up. I couldn't shake that. And I held that I held that seed of doubt, of anger, whatever all through my remaining years moving forward. And it just, it really made me angry at God because if he can heal and, you know, save some people from whatever, fill in the blank, why would he not have done this for my good friend? How is that a good God? I kept asking, how is that good? And I, it would always be met with, well, his ways are higher than our ways. And, you know, he works all things together for good. I mean, pick any verse and take it out of context. It was thrown at me. Right. And it just, I mean, you can tell, like I'm getting incensed even, 
even recounting it, but Mm -hmm. it's just so damaging to an understanding of a God that is supposedly love. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the actions that were attributed to the ways that he works were anything but loving. Um, So that was a huge component of deconstruction. And I think it was just kind of a very slow unraveling over the years as I continued to encounter these petitionary prayer scenarios. Um, Then fast forward to about five years ago, my husband and I made um, really good friends with this gay couple on our street. And we would take turns having each other over for drinks or dinner. And we would make like really special dinners. Um, and it was a really cool time together. And the way that these two men loved each other and engaged with one another and supported each other and fought and laughed, just like my husband and I, I'm thinking, okay, how is it this is simple? I don't understand this. This doesn't add up for me. Like, how is their love any different than my marriage? And that really got me down um, this path of actually starting to really question and hold some of the doctrines to the fire. Um, so then, I mean, I can get into that, but maybe that's another, another topic, but um, those were some, that was the thing that catapulted me into a fast track deconstruction. Mm. How did that end up manifesting? What was, what was something that shortly happened after that, that you felt like, was a step in that direction. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, I, you know, dug into the Bible like a good little Christian girl does and <laughs> looked up the verses that are used to speak out against um, gay relationships. And I discovered in, in doing that. And also I ordered a couple of different books written from people on different sides of the belief. Yeah. Um, And through reading these different stories and these books, I discovered also that there is a mistranslation in the Bible, Mm -hmm. that the word homosexual didn't enter into any text until 1946. Mm. And so then I was like, whoa, 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 wait, how is that possible? Because in my tradition and upbringing, I was taught that the Bible is inerrant, without error, and infallible. Right. And so that did not line up. So for me, I'm thinking, well, that how can that be possible? How is that possible? I wrestled with that probably for two plus years. And finally, I read a book by Rachel Held Evans. It's called Inspired. And I was told not to ever read Rachel Held Evans because she's a heretic. And I just decided I'm going to bite the bullet. I don't care. I'm going to read it. And so I read it and she gave me permission to see the Bible as not inerrant and not infallible and as soon as that belief went out the window it was like the thread that i pulled that the whole thing started to unravel Mm -hmm. and one thing led to another led to another led to another and all these different areas of belief that i'd always been taught come to find out are not necessarily biblical um if you even care if your beliefs are biblical at the time i did now i don't that's a different that's a different podcast but um yeah so like that's that's kind of where it's led me and I'm happy to be free of all those things that I have pulled apart and made better sense of wow what about um tell me obviously you were married and had kids at the time so how did this um these changes 
inside of you um, manifest and work themselves out in your relationships with those people? Yeah, that, oh man, you know, everybody's story who has a family um, is going to be very different. So I don't want anybody listening to think that mine is the norm or the expectation, but um, thankfully, once I was able to actually articulate some of the things I was processing and mulling over and doctrines that I was revisiting and deciding are bogus, um, I verbally process everything, whether it's what I'm making for dinner or whether it's existential crisis. My husband hears about it. Um, so I would I finally was able to begin to process out loud to him. And I did it very slowly, not intentionally. It was just it was such a, a slow, deliberate process on my part mm-hmm. um, that I kind of stuck with one one doctorate at a time. So I would dig it like I dug into hell first. And as I listened to podcast after podcast on hell and kind of deconstructing from that belief of eternal conscious torment, um, I would share things that I was learning that were just blowing my ever loving mind uh, with my husband as we walked our dog. And he's he's a great listener. He would listen. He wouldn't ask a lot of questions because I don't know that he really was in the same space as I was at that time. But as I continued to share, he eventually started to listen to a podcast, um, which is the Bible for normal people. I recommend that to anybody. Um, And it has really ushered him into a similar space of deconstruction as me. Over the last six months, um, we've deconstructed from many of the same beliefs. We are not necessarily on the same page on some of those things, and that's okay. I, I think that's normal. We're different people with different experiences. But my husband has come along for the ride, and that has been amazing. And I can't even imagine what our marriage would look like if that wasn't the case. Um, so that's kind of the, the marriage side of things. My kids, they would be in the car with me as I'm listening to these podcasts. Um, so they're hearing these these things that are new to their ears. Um, and I would verbally process with them too. And I would say, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what I listened to today. I've never thought of it that way. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Anna, it was so interesting because as I'm sharing those things with mostly my younger two kids, my oldest kid um, is at college, so I don't see him as much, but um, my younger two, I would share these things with them and they'd look at me kind of curiously like, well, yeah, mom, they would say, well, yeah, <laughs> Duh. And so they somehow were, I don't know, we're not indoctrinated the same way I was. And so I'm so thankful for that, that Mm -hmm. they don't have to pull apart their whole worldview to make sense of their life now. Um, So they've been exposed to these new teachings, these new understandings, and have a way more inclusive and loving understanding of humanity than I ever did. Mm. Um, so that's been a beautiful thing too. We've had to kind of backpedal a little bit and say, look, we used to teach you this. We, that was a mistake. We're very sorry. We don't believe that is true or accurate or helpful, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, and then we would just, you know, apologize for that and let them know maybe what our new understanding is of the situation or let them also um, be part of the conversation and what do they think about it? So it's been an interesting process, but, um, again, I, I wish this was the experience for everybody. Um, but it, it definitely is not. So I, I don't take that lightly. I feel like I just lucked out that it just all kind of came together and 
has been amazing. Yeah. Wow. I love that it worked out as beautifully as it did for you and your family. Cause I know a lot of families that, that was, that has not been the case. Um, yes. if one or more uh, people in the family tend to, or, you know, decide to, to go on the path of deconstructing their belief systems. Um, a lot of things seem, a lot of ideas seem to crumble in the wake and then the foundation of what you built those relationships on uh, seems a little shaky and it feels shaky to some of those people. It doesn't have to be, you know, as long as we can choose to like, continue to accept one another where we're at. Right, but right. Because it's so challenging to think of one another uh, with, you know, it when we rip that foundation out, it just, it changes a lot of how we think about each other. And yeah, it, it really does. So then and then we have to reevaluate what the relationships even built on, you know, and if we can go yeah. back to um, make keeping it really simple and just trusting the process in one another, you know, um, right. and loving each other through it and, and keeping love the focus. Um, then I think it's I think a lot of beautiful, a beautiful thing can happen. Um and I, it sounds like that's what happened with your situation. Yeah, absolutely. I am. I'm thankful that my husband is level headed enough to say, I respect you. I respect your newfound beliefs, your new understandings. And um, he, he just gave me a safe space um, to become who I was becoming. And that was beautiful. And yeah, thankfully, I don't know if I, I would love to hear his side of the story. What what gave him permission to consider different ways of believing maybe maybe it was the freedom i was finding and expressing to him i don't know that'd be another conversation to have yeah actually i think that we have that on our list of subjects to talk about <laughs> our, yes yes husband stories yeah yeah that'll yeah. be fun that would that yes. would be one so i'm curious to hear Give me an example of how what one thing that you have unlearned that has freed you up to do some things that you've always wanted to do. Oh, wow. That is a great question. And maybe a future podcast. It's definitely a future podcast because I mean... Okay, so I guess a doctrine, I'm seeing kind of indirect roundabout connections here. A doctrine that I've given up that has given me freedom to pursue different avenues um, would be hell, mm. honestly. It has freed me up in so many ways, but I will specifically try to stick to what you're asking to pursue things that I didn't feel free to pursue before. Um, okay, by eliminating the belief in hell, um, it eliminates fear of condemnation. It eliminates, um, you know, this fear of separation from God. It eliminates so many toxic, harmful understandings that I have felt freed up to pursue things that were kind of like intriguing to me that I was curious about. And I have actually, um, I know of other Christians, uh, that are involved in these practices as well. And that's kind of what gave me permission 
as I was going along. And one of those practices is the use of tarot or oracle cards. Mm -hmm. And people who are from the evangelical world are going to be freaking out hearing that because they're demonic. I'm air quoting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're demonic. They're evil. Um, You know, you don't want to be possessed by a demon. So you stay away from those things. Those were all things that I was taught and believed. And um, this is an interesting side note, even so much so that when we as a family, we were in Thailand and we were out on the, in the, the night market and we were walking kind of down this back alley behind all the vendors and whatnot. And there was this one section where they were doing like tarot card readings. And I felt like this real heaviness in my chest. And I was like, oh, that's the enemy. That's evil. And I said it to my kids. I'm like, we got to get out of here. That's just satanic. And it's funny looking back on that. But I was so sincere in that belief and understanding. And now I can recognize that as just it's an anxiety response. I was Mm -hmm. having an anxiety response to my conditioning. So anyway, again, that's another podcast. But I have found so much connection and so much encouragement and so many relatable things like self-reflection questions through the, this practice of the use of tarot cards. It's not just you look at the card and you, you know what it means. There's like a little guidebook that goes with it that asks you questions like, what is this card asking you to reflect upon? And honestly, it has been more engaging, more profound than any devotional I've ever used. Mm. And it's all about living. Like, how do you want to live your life? What what are relationships that you need to work on? Things like this that are so practical and make so much sense. And I don't have to decipher any New Testament code. You know, I don't have to make sense of parables or things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just it's been so beautiful. And I mean, I don't know, I can't overstate the beauty of that experience. And how many times I've thought to myself, I feel like I've been robbed over the past two plus decades of Mm. this beautiful experience Mm. that was painted in such an evil, negative light. Yeah, but I'm here now and I'm enjoying it as much as I possibly can. So Yeah. I think too, you know, just like there, you need suffering to experience the true beauty of joy, you know? Yes. And, um, and it's the same way I've come to embrace my journey out of, um, my former beliefs into this new, new understanding of the world around me. Um, coming, I look at it kind of like that. Like I think that I'm actually getting more out of some of the things that I'm learning and, and enjoying now that I didn't allow myself to learn and enjoy before because I, um, am so excited to do it. <laughs> you know? Yes. It's like that forbidden love, right? Like yeah. your parents tell you not to date someone and it's even hotter because you right? want to date them even more. <laughs> it's like, And it does make it like more exciting. And I agree. That's been my process as well. Like I, I feel like I'm able to enjoy the nectar of life deeper and more profoundly than I ever did as a practicing evangelical. Yeah. I also feel like a lot of, I mean, this is part of my story, but um, mental space, the mental real estate that's so precious, you know, all of the energy that goes into thinking and, 
what we devote our thoughts to is huge. It's where everything starts, you know, every decision, every action starts in our mind. And so much of my thoughts were so consumed with how to fit within this certain construct that it once I was allowed myself to not think like that anymore and the construct was removed. um, There was a piece that literally for the first time passed all understanding. Yes. (laughs) I felt free, truly free, freer than I've ever felt before. And, um, and so that just with that came so much, it's like, like a bird out of a cage, you know, it's like, Oh my God, where can I go? What can I do? You know? Right. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I, I look forward to sharing more about that later. But um, I would love to hear from you. Um, what I mean, this every, spiritual journey is so different and, and so unique. Each person, I truly believe no one has a, the same journey. You know, but nobody has genuinely the same beliefs, even within like certain religions. You know, like you, yeah, go, you might go to course. the same church with like 100 people, but. If you interview each and every one of them, they're each going to have varying, you know, belief systems. Yes, for sure. So I would love to just hear your story about where you're at now, which I do. I do um, hear you saying that it's a constant evolutionary process. But where are you at right now spiritually and what does it look like for you to practice what you think what spirituality spirituality is to you? Oh, yeah, that's a loaded question, Anna. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, you can, you don't even have to answer that one if you want to answer a different No, 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 I'll that. answer it. I'm just thinking, wow, like that there's a, like, we could do another whole conversation on that alone, but, right. um, I'll try to simplify it a little bit. I feel like, um, my understanding or lack thereof, <laughs> more appropriately, of God now is, God is much more expansive and inclusive and all encompassing than my evangelical views ever allowed for. Um, honestly, I, looking back, it makes me feel really sad for my friends that are still in the evangelical world because I feel like they're missing out on so many experiences that would bless them and, and give them such a deep connection with this this consciousness, this love that permeates everything. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, God used to be kind of an old gray haired guy in the sky. Mm-hmm. Cosmic vending machine is what I've called God in my past, or I, as looking back in my past, I call it like I saw him as a cosmic vending machine. And so because those are gone for me now, I, I relate with God in a much different way. I relate with God more through a divine feminine aspect Mm -hmm. of God's existence because, I mean, God is not male nor female. (laughs) God is way bigger than any binary code we can um, impart. Um, So, yeah, like the divine feminine is something that I really resonate with and um, am able to experience connection with God in a much more loving, merciful way than ever was able, like that ever was possible within my construct of God, the father, God, the son, Jesus, and God, the spirit. Um, so yeah, I, 
I don't know. I'm not sure what I believe about Jesus entirely at this point in time. Um, and I, that's okay. I'm okay with that. I don't think my eternal destiny hinges upon that. I don't think anyone's does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a huge departure too, you know, from evangelical teachings. Um, but yeah, I, it's ever evolving and I'm loving the process. Has it turned my world upside down? Yeah, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm finally making some sense of it in a way that is beneficial for me and the way that I engage with the world and the people around me. So I feel like I'm a better person now than ever. Um, so I guess like in a nutshell, that's where I'm at without getting into too much doctrine. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that, that that's one of the challenging parts about this particular interview is that I'm getting really a summary of who Carrie Joe is, but so much of what we're sharing, you're sharing is um, touching on subjects that we want to dive into more detail yeah. later on. And yeah. Um, so, yes, it definitely does. And I think it definitely helps me better understand it a little bit more about who you are. And because, I mean, honestly, we're really just getting to know each other again. Yeah, I know. How exciting is that? I know it is. <laughs> it's, so it's really fun. So it, as our listeners are hearing us talk, I mean, it's this is a genuine conversation. Like we've talked very little really since yeah. in, in the last eight years. Um, so it's really going to be fun to get to know each other again and in the process share that our story with um, yeah. other people. So. Then, so to kind of summarize what we've been talking about, I wanted to ask you one more question. Um, if you could talk to Carrie Jo 10 years ago and give her a pep talk, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, encouragement or just a word of wisdom, any of those things, what would you say to her? Oh, Wow. You really got my gears turning with that one. So to give a little uh, glimpse, 10 years ago, I was in Nigeria um, in our second year of service there as missionaries. So what would I tell her? <laughs> um, I mean, I honestly wouldn't want to say anything that would alter the course because mm-hmm. I feel like all of my experiences leading up to this very moment in time has made me who I am. Right. So without, you know, if I were to skip any of that, I feel like, you know, it would just alter the journey entirely. Mm-hmm. But I think if I were to plant a seed that wouldn't alter the course of the whole thing, I would probably tell Carrie Joe 10 years ago to not believe that your heart is deceitful above all else. Mm. To listen to your intuition to listen to that voice, that gut feeling, um, and to honor that, to to cultivate that and develop that language. Um, because I feel like that's something that I constantly squelched or was like pouring water on the fire um, as part of the Christian understanding that the heart is deceitful. You can't trust your instincts. You can't trust your heart because it's wicked. Right. And that's so harmful and not helpful on any level. 
So I think I would have wanted to have begun developing that 10 years ago instead of like 10 months ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that would be my advice. Beautiful. I, I like the, I love that. And I, I've thought about that too. Like, I don't think I would change the course. I think there are some things I wish I was free of sooner. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I guess that does change the course to some degree, but you're right. I still appreciate so much about what I've been through and what I've learned in the process and where I'm at now that um, it's hard to want to even think about changing that because it, I appreciate it so much where I'm at. Yes. Yeah. And I, that's been an important practice for me, actually, to not be so hard on my former self. Mm-hmm. To just realize that that those experiences were a gift. And like you said, like you can't experience the depth of joy without the depth of suffering. And I think, yeah, there's like kind of a recipro- reciprocity there because of those 20 plus years of me being in that cage space. I am now able to experience this freedom on, on such a higher level than I ever could have before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's a double edged sword. It comes with it comes with good and it comes with bad. But um, I mean, we're making the most of the good now. So that's amazing. 